All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Thursday. It's October 1st. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James Davis. Buddy, it only took me four tries to remember how we start the podcast, uh, so good news on that one. Well, you're a man of many podcasts, Doug. You you dabble here, (laughs) you dabble there. Yeah, I was editing a podcast last night, doing my Nets podcast. I'm just like a podcasting... Just turned into a little mini podcasting. Well, empire means you make tons of money off it, so I can't Mm. use the word empire. Hobby, whatever it is. Yeah, so um, Ray, what's obsession? Like a hoarder? Like you're a hoarder of podcasts? <laughs> nah, that's like too negative. It's just kind of like de- <laughs> <laughs> hoarding would be like my just my, yeah, my my desktop is just full of just podcasts that I'm just <laughs> that I'm working on. Um, all right, we're gonna talk game by game breakdown of the NFL main slate. Already have one game off the slate due to COVID. I don't know if the Titans and Steelers are gonna come back and play Monday. I'm not sure if the NFL really knows. Uh, thanks a lot, make- COVID. <laughs> they're kind of making that. I'm not laughing at COVID. I'm just. I'm not either. I'm guard. saying thanks a lot, COVID. Yeah, okay, appreciate gotcha. it. Call, call me off guard by mentioning it as like a personification of it. But okay, the. Uh, oh, I do want to get your quick. Give me thirty seconds on the NBA Finals here, and mm-hmm. because we we stopped doing the NBA podcast, but I don't know. You and I talk tons of hoops. We watch tons of hoops. We're mm. pretty much, I would say not at the highest level of like X's and O's of hoops at this point, but in terms of like, you know, player pool and stuff like that, I feel like we're in the yeah, top we're 1% in. of it. I mean, I, I, we've been LeBron apologists, not apologists. We've been LeBron stands forever. I think, you know, yes. going back a decade and just talking about like just being flummoxed, why people don't seem to appreciate what's going on here. Is this the, after the game last night, the series isn't over. I, I it's probably over, but okay, whatever. I said Lakers in five. That's going to, I'm wondering if that's going to be a game too many. But do you feel like, I feel, I'm starting to feel just bummed that people are still just dying on the LeBron's not great hill or something like that. Does that make sense? Like, I don't. Yeah, well, I'm, the, I'm, the pa- sneaky, I'm past the, or, I'm the past the arguing thing they point. do is where they're basically going, I mean, LeBron is, LeBron is, <laughs> it's like Giannis and LeBron had a kid. Uh, LeBron is obviously. The one of the greatest of all time, but like at some point you got to hold it against him that he went to ten to ten finals and only won three of them. It's like, do you have to hold that against him? No, because yeah, yeah, you don't have to. You can just enjoy it. Like you don't have to. This, yeah, you know. and I hate, I hate to. I'm just gonna do it. I said I wasn't gonna do this on the podcast, but here I go anyway. I I felt sick to my stomach listening to Bill Simmons. Sorry, sorry, Bill, because I know you listen to this podcast preparing for your DFS lineups. Every weekend, I felt sick to my stomach having him go through LeBron's finals and be like, like people want to pretend like LeBron doesn't have great teammates and he's like doing the thing. And that's totally appropriate when it, when it comes to like the heat, LeBron, like, yeah, they maybe they should have won three out of four instead of two out of four or whatever. Right. But when you give me he had Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love on his team. And so therefore he should have won more finals against the Warriors than they wound up winning. Like that to me is just the, it's just the dumbest take. And that, I guess I just have to say it. Like go ask everyone how Kevin Love is holding up in Cleveland right now, right? Like is, right. He, is he, it doesn't matter how much he's paid because he was doing that, oh, two other max guys. doesn't matter how much your team pays a guy when it comes to that guy's ability to influence win games. Go ask the Celtics last year how things worked out with Kyrie, right? They're better this year without him. So I just don't need to hear I don't need to hear any of it. You got me fired up. You did it on purpose. You even said earlier when we were talking about it, you were like, let's just, man, maybe we talk about this on the podcast. But now I'm fired <laughs> well, I did up. Say, I did say, hold all your thoughts. I said, hold all your thoughts because yeah. so I there do, you go. I, They're my thoughts. I, I just, I, I just get, I just get sad that 
that we're this is like we're witness you're getting the chance and I and I maybe it's left over from me doing knowing I did this with Jordan yeah, where me I was too. Like, totally where agree. I was like oh man maybe the Jazz can just pull this out one year because it's just a bummer to just see this guy win every year it's like ah oh, man I really wish I had just kind of watched this from a different maybe, maybe I'm channeling that energy because mm. um, I know I had that very distinct feeling you know in the mid 90s about the Jordan thing or mid to late 90s and. Maybe I'm just realizing now that like that was the wrong way to look at it. And hey, look, I got older. I got older and balder, and maybe maybe a little smarter about how how I should view these kind of things. But yeah, uh, in general, I just uh, I, I know this is, a, this is a football podcast. We're gonna go to the game by game, but that's my. I just I just I think I just feel a little bit bummed. No, I feel excited. LeBron's gonna get a, get another title. Three different teams, et cetera, et cetera. They'll be the favorites going into next year too. So. Yeah, they'll probably I'm, be better too, because they'll be able to, Go they'll actually spend free agency doing something. Okay, NFL NFL podcast. We're going to roll game by game on the main slate. Like I said, we are down a game already in terms of the Steelers and Titans, at least off the main slate. So I don't, like, who knows if it comes back. Uh, I'm not really sure, but the those, the at least for Sunday in the main one, uh, we're going to move off of that. If you want our cash game uh, picks, minus Derrick Henry, who we talked about yesterday, uh, go back and listen to the cash game podcast, and that'll give you some insight uh, if you're if you're really look the Broncos and Jets play tonight. Uh, this is one of those real testament to if you how much you just love the NFL. If you're just going to be able to watch the Broncos, <laughs> if you're not a fan of Denver or, or New York, um, if you're this is this is one of those like NFL just testing throwing out anybody on on Thursday night and just seeing people watch. They still will, uh, but that's uh, maybe one of the worst all time games <laughs> that's going to happen here on Thursday. First game on the main slate, Colts go and play the Bears. Obviously, the big news here is that Nick Foles is going to take over a quarterback. They were able to get Trubisky out of there uh, probably three weeks later than they wanted to, but you know, in a way that they made kind of sense from just like a, uh, the way the tide was turning already. And they started off the year 2-0, and which I don't think anyone thought was going to happen, but then uh, fall down to the, the Falcons, and they bring in Nick Foles, and now he's going to be the starting quarterback. Thoughts in this game? We ran out Jonathan Taylor in cash last week, and they just went right back to like sort of splitting carries in this team, and I, I in a way that maybe is making me feel really, really uncomfortable. I, what can we? Is there anything to trust about the Colts? Only injury news here: Michael Pittman is uh, injured, and he's, he's going to be out. But like Naheem Himes played twenty snaps, and Jonathan Taylor's like not the bell cow we thought he was. I mean, and the price has gone up, so I, you're just not going to play Jonathan Taylor this week. Um, you know, he was a relatively high on play at 6,700 on FanDuel last week. Now he's 7,500, and you have Hines getting back into the mix. I will say Hines uh, did hurt his shoulder in that game against the Jets, and he's currently listed as questionable. He's been a limited participant in practice, though, so I think that you'll see him likely suit up, and that just makes it a timeshare, and that subsequently makes it a total stay away from me. I don't think you want to be in the business of playing running backs that are going to have 60% of their team snaps for 7,500, right? So, um, yeah, I think you can you can very healthily stay away from the Colts. Um, the Bears, I think, are kind of interesting, though. So say what you want about Foles, but he has to be an upgrade over Trubisky. We saw two players in the Bears passing game last week really kind of explode. Um, talked about Jimmy Graham. We talked about him on the Cash Game podcast. He'll likely be the chalk option at tight end this week. But I want to get your thoughts on Allen Robinson. So Robinson yeah, goes out it. last week, 13 targets, 10 catches for 123 and a touch. He's shown pass-catching pedigree in the past. And um, he's underpriced relative to where he would be. He was already getting the targets. It's just 
unfortunately, Mitch Trubisky was throwing them to him. Yeah. I have Super Bowl champion Nick Foles uh, thrown his way. What do you think? Yeah, so analytics and X's and O's guys have long dreamed on Allen Robinson having anyone but Mitch Trubisky throw him the football because most people agree that he's just – not most. A lot of people – I've seen this enough from a lot of different sources at this point. Lots of smart NFL heads – think that Allen Robinson is among the best wide receivers in football, but he just has unfortunately spent a lifetime with having Mitch Trubisky huck him the ball all over the field. And so the part where he comes in and just instantly goes 10 for 13 on targets for 123 and a touchdown, I, the upside I, is possibly just absolutely tremendous on, on Robinson to the point where I, I didn't write him up for cash games because I, I probably need to take another week at the price, but... It's really close for me. Like I, I, more than other situations, I kind of wanted to take him to like ten targets right away. And by the way, when I say ten targets, I mean this is like the Julio Jones, yeah, less than DeAndre Hopkins. But like this is when we put give someone double digit targets, it's like elite target share in our system. Like yeah, I think people very- don't people don't appreciate that often enough. Like. You know, they they figure that there are just like a lot of guys who get 10 targets a game. That doesn't sound like too much because they might look at like a weekly leaderboard uh, to determine that. Last year, one player averaged more than 10 targets a game on the season. Michael Thomas. Right. <laughs> no one else crossed 160 targets on the season. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm very, very bullish on this situation. I, like, I think that this is huge WR1 upside for for Robinson and and it, and it really just the difference of having a real arm back there so yes very um love Allen Robinson this week I guess I should mention the other injury news for the Bears here is that Tara Cohen was lost for the season I don't know if that actually instantly turns David Montgomery into more carries I think they're just going to give Cordero Patterson more of those third downs sort of like he was already getting a bunch of like random rushes and and some targets I think they make him into like the more the Tara Cohen like clone and then mm-hmm. just keep Montgomery at the same usage. I, I meant to mention this at the beginning about the injury part, but it just kind of slipped my mind when we were talking about it. But um, the, the Cohen thing is interesting in the fact that they lost them, but I don't think that just makes, they're not going to, I don't, I don't think that turns David Montgomery into like the bell cow running back. I don't think, I think they basically signaled that they don't want to be that, that to be the case. And they turned Patterson basically into the running back. Mm-hmm. Let's keep moving. Chargers go in and play Tampa. This game starts off at a 45 over under, moved all the way down to 43 and a half, mostly coming off the, it was mostly coming off the Charger side. The uh, Bucks are seven and a half point home favorites. They're going to be without Chris Godwin this week. Uh, they'll probably be without him for a couple weeks now. Do we want to move Mike Evans into the cash game focus here? Look, this is a guy that had like two catches, two yards, two touchdowns last week. So, um, I get that that's like a weird line, and he's definitely done disappearing acts before, sort of quarterback independent. But when Godwin missed the game last time, he got double-digit targets. Is, is Evans in the cash game consideration here? Feels awfully risky, um, understanding that he's he's getting these red zone looks, which is actually something perhaps I didn't expect. Like, I don't know how many one-yard touchdowns he caught prior to Tom Brady's right. arrival, but, you know, the Evans of old, we were getting value on him by catching balls downfield. So if he's going to be used in short yardage situations, that's quite encouraging for his prospects overall. Brady still hasn't looked that sharp in throwing the ball at great distances downfield, and I still think that hurts Evans a little bit. I think he's also a little bit expensive based on all the touchdowns so far. So, you know, he's got four touchdowns in three games on just 18 targets. Like, that's not 
obviously sustainable by any stretch. Um, also, just again, hilariously, he's got a two-yard touchdown catch and two one-yard touchdown catches too. So, um, so yeah, it's it's a guy you could consider, but I think like if we're just comparing him to Allen Robinson, let's say Allen Robinson, by the way, third in the NFL in targets last year, which I haven't quite wrapped my mind around. Um, I'll just take the the more known situation to me if that makes sense. So, yeah, I just I think there's, yeah, and I'm with you because there's, and by the way, just go look across the field here and or across the sidelines at least. And just look at least on Fanduel and look at Keenan Allen at, yes. at, at sub seven thousand, and the nineteen targets he got last week, and the ten the week Herbert. before that, you know, right. with the same exact situation, right, with Herbert. So, yeah, I, I think I don't think it's going to wind up being especially close for us, and I think that people will chase it um, because they're going to look at the fantasy points per game and extrapolate it up, and that's not always appropriate. Um, uh, anything else? I mean, I'm not really all that interested from a fantasy perspective on much else here on Tampa. Maybe you want to, you know, Scotty Miller gets a few more targets. You maybe think Gronk, you know, he got seven targets last week. Maybe those, those targets tick up a little bit. I'm with you on the still not being totally sold on Brady as an elite, you know, getter of the ball to others. (laughs) That's just, uh, it just, and, and by the way, if, if anything, he's shown the ability, unlike maybe Jameis, who was force feeding, targets to guys when there's guys out uh Brady does not roll that way Brady's like you know LaShawn McCoy's gonna get three four targets here and OJ Howard's gonna get four and Ronald Jones you know what I mean like there's a there's definitely a spread it out mentality on there that I don't think you can just jam 12 targets for Michael Evans and feel and feel safe about it what about what about on the Charger side yeah I mean we discussed Keenan Allen yesterday as a cash game play I like him in all formats frankly I think he'll probably be under owned for big tournaments too just because if you've been playing fantasy for a while, you might have some Keenan Allen fatigue. Uh, Hunter Henry is in our weekly discussions around tight end just because he's one of the few guys in the league that actually gets consistent target share, and that's maintained with Herbert moving into the starting lineup too. So uh, you could consider that. I think Austin Eckler, you know, that's kind of a funny situation where the price has gone down a lot over him over the course of three weeks. Actually, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on him. So he started the season as around like an $8,000 running back, top five pick in season-long leagues. He comes out early in the season, and all of a sudden he's not catching the ball. And Philip Rivers is over in Indianapolis throwing like 30 passes to running backs in the first game. And people are like, oh, was this a Rivers thing or is this a scheme thing? Well, last game he comes out, Eckler does, and Eckler gets 11 targets, turns out into 11 catches for 84 yards. Um what are your thoughts on Eckler as a potential like DraftKings play? That's that's where my mind goes immediately when I see, first of all, just he's super efficient on a per-touch basis, but getting those receptions really means something, right? Yeah, so the, the snaps are kind of where I thought they were going to be in that he's just not an every-down back. He did get the double-digit targets like in a Camara light sort of mode last week, but I'm still just distrustful on a game-to-game basis. You really you can't play him in cash, I guess, this is one point. It's like... He's definitely got major big tournament upside because if the list of running backs who can get 10 targets a game is basically like two guys, and that's Kamara and probably him, that you would like, and I wouldn't even feel comfortable ever projecting it, but I'm just saying it could happen. And so anytime that's on the table, I'm interested in it. And they just have shown, again, their hand that they're just like, you're not going to play every down because that's not how we want to treat our running backs, which is how most teams roll. So um, mm-hmm. big tournament upside for sure. Like that Herbert has targeted him and not going to, not going to go there in cash. Cause I just don't, I don't feel trustful of the situation. So that's my, and, but by the way, the good news on him is if you think that like the line here is accurate in that the, the bucks are going to be winning 
then his upside is actually even better because he will be the guy that's on the field more to play and catch up ball. Mm-hmm. Unlike, you know, like, you know, if they're trying to run downhill with like it's splitting time with him and Josh Kelly. So there's in a weird way, this is not usually a game script that favors running backs, but Eckler is a guy that it kind of does favor if you think they're playing catch up. Cause usually we want to target running backs going the other way, which we're not going to do. Yeah. And if you're, if you're just chasing that big upside, I think you're exactly right. But yeah, I think otherwise, you know, this game, yeah, yeah, I think a lot of the my interest is consolidated into that, like Keenan Allen, maybe Mike Evans group, and otherwise it's kind of a stay away. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with the rest of these games. Uh, Browns go in and play Dallas. Dallas is four-and-a-half-point favorites. We talked about Derrick Henry as a cash game play yesterday, but then obviously they're not going to play anymore. And when we removed him from the – when we removed the, the Tennessee guys uh, from the player pool, Zeke Elliott started showing up a little bit more in cash games here for us. Um, not so much on DraftKings, but definitely a little bit more on FanDuel. Is that a situation where we feel comfortable playing cash? Because we were—I felt pretty good about playing Henry just on the you know gajillion touches he was seeing every week, just by hook or by crook. But is Zeke in that territory for you for cash? He's very expensive. I don't know. Four and a half point favorites is kind of where we want to be. You don't get a tremendous pace up tick from uh the browns just because they run the ball so much but would we be comfortable running zeke out here in cash yeah i think so um you know you're you're looking to fill another expensive running back slot with the good mid-range value that we see in other positions this week you know really good mid-range wide receivers i think we're going to wind up with a cheap tight end as well so you do have the money to spend um it's kind of funny with zeke you know (laughs) we're back in that discussion that you kind of initiated with henry which is like at what point do the carries and the workload become so much that uh, the player becomes less effective? So, you know, Zeke last week in a game where Dallas just couldn't stop scoring, 14 carries for 34 yards and a touchdown. That's a little bit concerning. He did get 11 targets out of the backfield, caught six balls, turned it into 24 yards. So ultimately, he he kind of gets close on the price. Not quite really, though. So I think... Uh, I'm a little gun shy. You're also paying 500 more for him uh, than we were considering paying for Henry. It's it's doable for me, and I would be excited about it, which is kind of how I felt about Henry too. Yeah, this that's exactly how I feel. It, it's that it would be, it probably doesn't murder you, and it is just so expensive at this point. So look, look again, the list of wide receivers, the list of running backs who play every down for their team is really pretty short. It's like four dudes or something like that. Zeke is one of them. That's why he's up there in price. And yeah, I get, I get a little worried about it. He I, I, was one of those ones where I, I, would t- I take it back. Now I'm like calculating on FanDuel. I mean, it was always Kamara in this expensive spot on, on DraftKings. It's, and it's kind of Kamara on FanDuel now too. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what about the rest of these guys? We talked a little bit. We talked about Amari Cooper at length yesterday, so I don't think we need to go back down that road. Do you feel like the, the rest of these Dallas guys is just kind of dartboard material when it comes to who's going to get the targets on a given week? I, I feel especially like that when a guy like Cedric Wilson is the big winner in, in, in a week for, for the Cowboys. But um, Exactly. Yeah, Wilson are we throwing and Gallup a dart last week. The, are, we, nice. are we just throwing a dart at the pass game? Yeah, yeah I think I think so. Um, like, I think, is that where we are now? I think we like Amari Cooper still. I think he's going to be the guy that shows up week in, week out. You know, CeeDee Lamb's actually pretty interesting with uh, 22 total targets through three games. Hasn't gotten in the end zone yet, and I think that's kept the price down. But obviously the talent is super elite, and people are going to keep dreaming on it. But yeah, none of these guys are cash game considerations, I don't think. 
Yeah, the only thing I'm maybe a little worried about CeeDee Lamb is he did see the, the snaps drop a little last week in favor of Wilson. I, not not to a crazy degree, but I, I don't think that's a, that's not something I'm going to set my clock to because I just think that the plan is to play him a lot. But, yeah, no, I think there's all, all these guys, tournament, big tournament upside. What about the Browns? They've they've had a kind of a weird schedule to start the season. They By the way, I, I should have mentioned at the beginning, I, I read a betting article. I took, I took Dallas minus four and a half here. I think that it's... I think the Browns, I think people think the Browns are better than they are. They played, they had one tough game to start the year against Baltimore and then played two bottom feeders, and that's why they're kind of two and one. Like, I just don't, our system really, really likes likes Dallas here with the points, um, or given the points. But the anything to see here on the Brown side, they've run the ball a ton. Um, they've run the ball a ton. The, the, the wide receiver targets really haven't worked out up until this point. Um, anything to see here for Cleveland? Yeah, I don't think you can touch the wide receivers. I still think Odell Beckham Jr. is an interesting high upside play for big tournaments because theoretically the talent is still there for him to be among the highest scoring wide receivers on the slate, and he's only 6,600, so you're never going to touch it for cash, but it's it's conceivable. Uh, Chubb is kind of interesting as well. It just kind of depends on how you perceive this game script to go because in the last two games he's been one of the best running backs overall on a points per dollar basis. I kind of think that's fool's gold just because the game script super favored uh, his involvement. He's not catching balls out of the backfield. His scoring is very touchdown dependent too. I mean, it helps that he gets the goal line touches, but, um, but yeah, I don't know what you think about Chubb, but I, you know, certainly could imagine playing him in cash games here, but I don't even know that I'm that interested for big tournaments. Yeah. And they just need to be winning for him to really meet his expectation. Cause he's just not playing those third down snaps in favor of Hunt, and Hunt just gets a ton of carries anyway. Yeah. It's just it's just too much of a timeshare going. Like, you need, he basically, just this point for him, at his price point, needs to break a long run, and you just can't count on that hmm. uh, in any in any fashion. And he can do it. He's, he's shown he can do it as good as any other running back in the league. But when you're just, when it's a full-on timeshare, then it just, I, those situations to me are just kind of, look, everyone can dream in the big game. That's fine. I just don't particularly run that way. I need to, I need to lock in, I need to lock in some floor. Right, like before mm-hmm. I do it, and I just don't think that uh, Nick Chubb is the way to do that. All right, Ravens going to play the, the Redskins. Oh, oh, I did it. Shoot, it's not the Redskins anymore. I, uh, I'm not going to take it out. It made a mistake. Cool. The, the, I know. God, God, I feel I need to be shamed. Everyone will walk me through the the streets yelling shame at me. The Washington <laughs> Football Club uh, or team or whatever the hell they're called are 13 point underdogs to the Ravens. Ravens coming in after a really disappointing performance against the Chiefs last week where I don't want to say they were exposed, but I know that the Lamar Jackson haters will, will kind of always run this way, that they just, you know, oh, this is who they are. They can't win the big games. They're not going to win the playoffs. It's not this brand of football doesn't work. Okay, whatever. The 13-point favorites here, Lamar is not a guy that we talked about for cash, although he's a guy that we often talk about it because the just the, the, the floor on him is so incredibly high. Anything to see here for the Ravens? I mean, Lamar bounce back. They really want to put a stamp and get the win here. Uh, can we consider playing any of these guys? It's really just Lamar. I, I, never mind. I don't want to talk about Yeah, Lamar's a tournament option. I mean, he's not a cash game play right now. Uh, one thing that's been really instructive to go into this season, and I think you are one of the very few people I heard call this out going into the year, was that Lamar was just due for regression. Yeah. I think many people, when they see young players, they're like, well, he's just going to keep getting better. It's like... Except not always, right? It depends. Right. It depends what they are good at. Like he might get better in a lot of the, you know, aspects of football that he needs to do to win the Super Bowl someday and do all that stuff. But 
when it comes to just outscoring all the other DFS quarterbacks by like a touchdown per game or something, that was pretty unlikely to continue. So now what you have is he's more probably closer to the reality, which is like one of the best in the NFL, but not head and shoulders better than every single other guy. Unfortunately, you have to pay a price that's head and shoulders above every other single guy. And so I'm not persuaded that he's a better DFS quarterback than, say, Kyler Murray, right? So um, that's just going to take Lamar out of consideration when, when he's priced at these absurd levels, 9,600. I mean, that's that's just too much given the, the given how deep really good DFS quarterbacks are right now. So um, you're not going to touch it, but he's, he's the ultimate big tournament quarterback, right? He can score 40 fantasy points. He can get three rushing touchdowns. He can do things that other quarterbacks simply can't do. Um, but he could also be not that good. So I yeah, can't re- imagine playing him in cash. The regression that was coming was the touchdown passes. Like he just had simply too many touchdown passes for the amount of attempts he had. Like that, it was just, and it was born out of what happened a lot early in the season, which was, you know, one pass, one touchdown, like on drives that he did. They did, they did the start of the season because people weren't really prepared for how that they were going to be coming at them um, schematically. And, you know, these long touchdown passes to Marquise Brown and, you know, Mark Andrews and just this stuff that was just like totally bananas and just not really able, it wasn't going to sustain. I, I feel in some ways the same way about Russell Wilson, though not to the same degree because he's just a much better passer. So it's just more likely that he can sort of sustain some of the touchdowns. But yeah, that was the, it's not that he's not great. It was just like he just can't be historically great like this based on the attempts because at some point the long touchdowns just dry up. They just, they just do. They, I don't know. We have, I don't know a million games to look at to say that you can't short of having Randy Moss on your team. You just can't keep throwing long, long, deep touchdowns to players over and over and over again. It just doesn't really happen. Uh, on Washington, uh, I think you can start the Ravens defense. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> what. <laughs> like, also, I, I just don't know. Moving don't know on. What, I don't yeah, know what I'm we're doing here with Dwayne Haskins and company. And they, I'm not sure how long he's going to be the quarterback for the team. And we will see. Oh, uh, I almost said Steelers and Titans. Cause that was the next game. And it wasn't taken out of the scheduling data. Cardinals, Go and play the Panthers. Uh, not going to go back down this road because we talked about it at length yesterday about Kyler Murray. Definitely a cash game play. I think Mike Davis on the other side is definitely a cash game play just because of how they're using him in the offense. So if you want our thoughts, go back and listen to those two guys. Kenny Drake, people wanted to play. He continues to stink. I just don't really think I want to do I'm, I, We didn't go there last week. And if we didn't go there last week, we're not going back and doing it this week. Is that like a fair way to sum up the Kenny Drake thing? Um, yeah. That and then... Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, though, still uh, just getting a ton of targets. I, I don't, there's no, doesn't seem like this is going to dry up anytime soon. We did not talk about him for cash games, mostly because we were sort of prioritizing some quarterbacks and running backs. But is that a mistake? Because another 12 targets last week for one ten for one thirty seven, he's just like Michael Thomas light uh, when it comes. Yeah, to... he's the best. He's the best uh, receiver in DFS. I don't think there's any question about that right now. I think it's a little bit weird for cash just with how the money shakes out like we really don't have those super cheap running backs or even like really good mid-range running backs that we want to target right and that just and given that i think we're in agreement that it's a year where you have to pay up at quarterback uh you start running out of money eventually i do think hopkins is great worth noting that he did miss practice on wednesday uh some people believe it could be a maintenance day uh he's currently listed as questionable with a sprained ankle so you never know i suspect that he'll just be out there but uh, you know, you always got to keep an eye on it when you're going to invest 8700 in a player. Um, going the other way. Oh, actually, uh, one other guy <laughs> I think it's worth targeting, actually, um, or worth discussing super briefly for big tournaments is Andy Isabella. He caught two touchdown passes last week. 
we forecasted him for an increase in opportunity uh, when Christian Kirk went down. And, you know, as he gets more comfortable in the offense, you can't pencil him in for just two touchdowns. Like, that's obviously not realistic, but, um, you know, he's 5,000, so you could do worse. Yeah, and, and just and a note, too, about target. I mean, four targets total, converted all four for 47. Uh, Kashawn Johnson actually had more targets, two for – he only converted two of them. So I find him to be a little bit interesting, too, if, like, he's, like, the next guy up in terms of targets. Because, like, if you look at snaps, it was DeAndre Hopkins, 61, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, 56, only three targets. The he, the wheels might just be coming off uh, the tires at this point for him. But then he, uh, Johnson had 46 snaps, and then Isabel had 26. I think he was one of those situations where he made the most of his opportunity. Now, it could switch because he was just so good on them, but uh, just a situation to monitor. But more than anything, like we said, it's just it's just DeAndre – it's just so it's just so good <laughs> that he just gonna, yeah he's a gravitational force yeah he's just gonna right exactly he's just gonna gobble up so many targets uh, and by the way just as a note about this game too we we talked at length about DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson too there's a lot to like fantasy wise in this game I don't want to go back all the way through it because we just talked for a pretty long time yeah Mike, Mike Davis, Davis and Robbie yeah. Anderson DJ Moore uh, and Kyler Murray all dudes let's talk about DJ Moore because we actually didn't bring him up on the Cash Game podcast I noticed that you. Uh, referenced him in the article. You're not at all concerned about getting just four targets last week? No, uh, not really. Um, I'm only a little concerned that Mike Davis, like they are, Teddy Bridgewater is really willing to throw to Mike Davis. Like that is a little bit of a concern. So if the running back's going to eat into the target share, then you probably do have to tick down. Or excuse me, he's going to eat into the target share in the same way that Christian McCaffrey did. I don't think you can be overly crazy about the targets on on the on the wide receivers. That's my only real concern. That one one week of like weird targets is not doesn't really throw me off too much when like the median and the mean are still nice for the nice is a weird word um, are still okay for the for the season. I don't want to go crazy on something like that and. If you're just gonna if you're gonna have an offense that just is, is just built up and throwing to the running back, that's probably always gonna be a little bit problematic. Cause like for median targets for more for the three weeks is still nine, right? Like eight and a half, eight and close to nine for. It is, but I, so but more of my question is obviously for big tournaments, do whatever you feel for cash games though. Like if you're comparing more to the other guys in the same price range that we've already discussed, someone like Keenan oh Allen, definitely say, definitely Keenan even Julie, yeah Julie definitely Edelman Allen or, probably uh, Edelman's okay. weird. I wouldn't do it in cash either way, probably, because I just this. Allen Robinson. I definitely play Allen. Definitely Allen Robinson. Okay, so we're not going to play yeah, DJ yeah, yeah. more than that. Yeah, Even I think you just you run out of seven thousand dollars. Yeah, no, I think I think all those guys. I'm 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 more interested in all the guys that you just mentioned. All right, uh, Saints go in and play the Lions. Lions pulled off the win over uh, upset win. What should call it? Upset win over the Cardinals last week. Saints go into Detroit. This game started at fifty five, down to fifty four. One of the highest. Uh, lines on the slate. It looks like Michael Thomas. We I, we talked about Kamara yesterday, but actually looks like, and I was probably remiss by saying, my, it looks like Michael Thomas is going to return this week. Is that problem? How problematic is that for the Kamara as a cash game play? If Michael Thomas were to take the field, would we? I I feel like we'd have to pretty dramatically reduce the targets that Kamara has yeah. seen over the last couple of weeks, right? Because that seems it does feel like a almost one to one correlation between uptick in targets and no Michael Thomas, right? Like. Thomas did practice. Do we need to move Kamara out of our cash game consideration now? Ah, uh, geez. On DraftKings, you can probably still think about it. Because, um, listen, you don't need 14 targets to be a good cash right. game play on DraftKings. 
Uh, he was getting he got eight in week one. That's when Thomas got hurt. So I don't know what the right number of targets would be for him if Thomas were to play. It does seem obvious to me that he's getting a lot of those. A lot of those. It's it's funny because he's not running the same routes Thomas would run and like catching balls in that way. But when the plan is we need eleven yards or we need nine yards or things like that, he's getting a lot of those opportunities even if the play is drawn up differently. And if that comes down from nine to fourteen to like where the range becomes 6-10, to 10, it obviously takes a lot of the luster off, especially on FanDuel, where, again, Kamara's been very touchdown dependent. He's going to be, I think, the second most expensive running back on the slate behind Zeke. I don't know. It, that would, it would start to feel a little too rich for my blood because he's priced. He, his price has come up for two reasons that should theoretically regress. You know, fewer targets if Thomas returns and fewer touchdowns just because nobody scores two touchdowns a game. So. Yeah, I mean, frankly, I've been looking for reasons to not play him in cash. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I hate the snap count, and I get how good he is. I hate it mm-hmm. for where his price is, right? yeah, based on that. And, like, this is – and you, you hit the nail on the head. If you're priced this way because there was a distinct difference in how the team was feel, on the field for a couple weeks, plus this thing that is unlikely to continue, which is the crazy touchdown share, I – this is this is the exact place you don't want us. It's, it's actually the difference between him and Derrick Henry. It's like where okay, can we play Derrick Henry at these prices? Yeah, because this stuff is like sort of repeatable, even if it's crazy in terms of how expensive he is and how much they're using him. The Kamara thing is not like you need a lot to go right at this price for him, yeah. based on how much he's on the field, like that. And that's really mostly what I'm saying. So. If Thomas comes back, I think we have to take the, the the target share down, and I think doing that in even a moderate way is probably going to take him out of cash games for us because you just can't give him you can't give him seventeen carries, and that's where the difference becomes right. Like you like because that's just never going to happen. He's just not going to carry the ball twenty times or whatever it is. And and there's just are there are a, not a long list, but there is a group. Like for instance, like right now, knowing Thomas is coming back, would you rather play him or Zeke in cash? Um, hmm. <laughs> that's. That's a pretty tough one. I guess Zeke, just because I feel like carries are more secure than targets. But yeah, that that's it. That's pretty close. I don't know. I think that's a question. We're, that's like a weird fundamental question we're going to be asking ourselves this week. Um, is that, you know, where where do we feel comfortable? There's a couple other guys in this list, uh, but the list is not all that long. I don't think you can play Thomas coming back from the injury and just expect him to just jump back into double-digit target share. Although, you know, I'm, I'm less, I'm typically less worried about injuries than you are. On the Lions' side, they pulled off the win last week. It's not like anyone, any one player was particularly responsible for it, right? Like Kenny Galladay, seven targets. TJ Hawkins, seven targets. Um, Adrian Peterson ran the ball 22 times. This guy just you can't <laughs> put the yeah, – he only got 75 yards out of it. Um, I, I, I just don't know. I, I, I'm not seeing it for this team really from a fantasy perspective because I don't really know exactly who to pinpoint. And – I don't know. They're projected for a decent amount of implied points, almost twenty-five, which is easily one that's of the highest. Points, of, it's easily one of the highest of, the, of a team that's an underdog for sure. Um, anything to like here on Detroit? I was pretty encouraged by Galladay's return. Actually, I think for Cash, you know, he's not going to clear that very high bar of that Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen sort of area that we've already discussed. But certainly for big tournaments, I think he's very interesting. It wouldn't be surprising at all for that target share to go from seven and go up uh keeping in mind that he's gonna have a really tough cornerback matchup this week um which is just another mark against him for cash games not that probably most people were considering him anyway but yeah by and large i think adrian peterson's the most interesting guy on the team for 
uh, big tournaments just because he's so cheap. I mean, he's 5,500, a guy who got 22 carries last week and is going into a game where his team has a 25 total. Like, that's awfully interesting. And he wouldn't, like, if he gets a touchdown, he's going to pay this price with his eyes closed, right? So, um, so certainly not, you don't want to ignore it, but I just don't, yeah, for cash games, I would certainly feel a little gun shy just in case this game gets out of hand and, you know, they have to go away from the short yardage run. Yeah, I just, I look, I'm, I, I'm, the, my days of trying to speculate on a Detroit running back, even though the, the Peterson's here, are just done. I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. It's been years and years of this. Like, one guy comes and then he disappears and then he gets hurt or whatever. Like, the Detroit running back situation, I feel like for right. half the time we run DFSR has been a disaster. Like, I don't know. Uh, the whole time. The yeah, whole, the whole time. We, yeah. There's, there's never been a, a consistent running back play. We've, we've tried a lot of them, too. <laughs> I was hedging by saying half and probably just feeling like I meant, I meant it was the whole time. All right. Bengals host the Jags this week. They have Bengals are minus three home favorites. Game. This game has this game has gone from a this game opened at a forty four and a half total and is now up to forty nine. You'd never see this kind of increase on a total. Like to be so wrong on the opening line, not wrong. I mean, it could be end up being correct, but to have it corrected so much um, is. Nuts. Go, sometimes you see it going the other way. If like Andrew Luck got hurt or something like that, and like they were just you know the the, the quarterback situation yeah. just dropped off a cliff, you'd see it. But not when the stuff is just kind of known, and there and everyone's just like, well, you know what? We need way more points for this game. But it does make sense because these two teams have just been kind of gunslinging to start the season. Burrows, we talked about Burrow a little bit on the Cash Game podcast yesterday. Not really as a Cash Game play, but just kind of wanted to write up someone different than the top tier dudes. Uh, and then the Jags, they. Um, they lost to Miami last week, but Minshew is definitely, you know, kind of aired out a little bit, and they have something of a running game. I feel like we could probably talk ourselves into some stuff here about between two bad teams that have shown at least life on offense. Yeah, I think James Robinson is going to get a decent amount of buzz. We mentioned him briefly on the Cash Game podcast. I do think he's probably on the outside looking in, but it wouldn't take much for him to hop up into some of our optimal lineups. Um, if you think this game is competitive, if you think that, you know, Jacksonville won't have to get away from the run, and heck, he's even somewhat involved in the passing game too, uh, I think he can be somewhat on your radar. Um, actually wrote up the Bengals' defense too. Um, one of the really interesting things about this week from the defensive position is that Basically, all so there are a number of teams with fairly low totals, but all the defenses going against them cost like 4,600 plus on FanDuel. And then you have the Bengals, which cost next to nothing uh, going up against Gardner Minshew and company. Minshew, he was really protecting the ball well for a while, but last couple of weeks it's been a different story. Uh, he's up to, I think, 10 sacks taken on the season. It's like nine or 10 sacks, can't recall off the top of my head, but taking a lot of sacks, turning the ball over through the air and on the ground. So I think the Bengals defense could see pretty significant cash game ownership here. What do we think about Joe Mixon here? Uh, Mixon's a guy that we wanted to kind of believe in as like game script independent uh, last year to some degree, and maybe even going mm -hmm. into this year. He's got, he plays every snap basically. It has, the production has not been great to start the year. Our projection on him feels a little low to me based on the opportunity, but I'm wondering if this would be a situation where we look at, when lineups lock and Joe Mixon is like kind of a chalkier play and we're kind of off it. Like, you know what I mean? Because they're favorites at home. Mm. He, the opportunity in the past has really been there. And I'm just wondering if that's a situation that we maybe need to kind of like wake up to, because I, the more I think about it, I'm like, 
Oh, Mixon actually is one of those few guys that checks that checks that running back box for me and is a home favorite, which is definitely where we want to be. So in my mind, I'm going to go look at our system. In my mind, I believe Mixon should have 18 carries and three targets. And I'm Are you joking? We have him for. Are you no. joking? No, I'm just looking at his game log. That's exactly what we have him for. Yeah, so that's correct. You know, you and I approach this in the same way. So yeah. I'm not I'm not shocked to hear that that's you have him for. It's actually one of the more straightforward ones that I've ever seen. Like that's why I even did this exercise because I looked and I was like, oh yeah, if we have him for 18 and three, then you can't move off it. I mean, assuming that all of our underlying numbers are correct, which, you know, we have a pretty decent track record of what mixing can do uh, when handed the ball. So I think if you, you know, kind of mash that all together, put it together with the Jags D and he doesn't show up, then we don't play him. I, I don't think you need to to stretch on Mixon whatsoever. Let's be clear too, he's been quite bad on the opportunities that he actually has had this year. Um, he hasn't topped 50 rushing yards in either of the last two games against Cleveland and Philly. So it's not like, you know, world beaters there necessarily. Uh, they were plenty in the Philly game. Uh, went to overtime. He even had the extra quarter <laughs> to play there and still couldn't top 50 rushing yards. So I don't feel like you need to, I, I don't think I would be sick to my stomach if I saw Mixon on 40% ownership and we didn't have him. So Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that we're going to be there, but it just like, again, like when we usually want to check boxes in terms of, you know, running backs to play, that one is kind of one that kind of gets there. But, well, I don't know. Tyler Boyd had 13 targets last week. Uh, you like to see it did go 10 for 125. If he's just going to be Burrow's sort of guy yeah. going forward, then I think we can probably talk ourselves – into something there, but that's, that hasn't been a season long thing. So I don't think I want to, I don't want to go crazy on one. I, I definitely don't want to go crazy on one week. And it's definitely a situation to sort of to monitor going forward. And if he had another double digit target game in a game, again, that could be sort of a weird, bad team. It's funny. I'd be more concerned about not having Tyler Boyd. Like if Boyd was 40% owned, I don't think I would be very excited if we didn't have him. Like he's very cheap. He's 6,000. Um, the targets are going up. And unlike say with AJ Green, the targets have been hyper-efficient, too. And we know Burrow, in college, his whole thing, his whole approach was, I'm just going to complete all my passes, right? And if that's the kind of connection he has with Boyd so far, I could see him continuing to ramp that up. Yep, yeah, uh, totally agreed. All right, next game on the slate is Vikings go in and play the Texans. This game is, we briefly talked about Deshaun Watson yesterday. This game is a monster total. This one went from 51.5 to 54.5. Uh, pretty pretty darn quickly. Mo a lot of the points points came up evenly, and now they came up a little bit more on the Texans side than on the Vikings side. Ah, man, this is so many points. I, like I'm wondering if we just uh, how much should we how much more should we be paying attention to this game than butting up against 30 implied points because that is really really high. The Vikings have shown the ability to give it up. Uh, feels like maybe this is a game that we didn't focus on a ton in the Cash Game podcast, and I'm wondering if that was a mistake. Yeah, well, I'm really thinking about what we do with Will Fuller. I mean, we loved him going into the season. He had 10 targets in the opening week. We even thought about playing him. Maybe we even did play him in some lineups against the Ravens in week two. He had zero targets. Yeah. Uh, bounces back last week to some degree, but most of that was on the back of a touchdown. He still was only targeted five times. I mean, he's nominally the wide receiver one, even though Randall Cobb has kind of <laughs> assumed that mantle in, in weird ways, um, at least in terms of like the total yardage. Uh, or like, you know, the, the flashier plays. Brandon Cooks is still there. What do we do with the passing game, I guess, is my big question. Because for a team with a 30 total, this is a lot of guys who are getting five targets a game, right? Yeah, we don't feel good about it. I, I just don't – I I want to play Will Fuller a ton, and just the, it just doesn't – the targets aren't there. Like And and that's and that's hoping that he stays healthy for a whole game. So 
Um, yeah. I feel like this game has a lot of potential. All of it has big tournament upside to me. Like all those wide receivers have big tournament upside. Even a guy like yeah. David, even a guy like David Johnson, I think has has big tournament upside here. If like if he starts kind of getting downhill, now he's totally stunk on the ground, and that trade looks worse by the day. But the I don't know. I can't. Do, I can't go there for cash and on anyone but Watson. And I really probably can't even do it on Watson, just based on the track record on the guys above him on the pricing tier. But for sure, like a game stack kind of situation here, this is definitely a place to look. Like Watson with like Justin Jefferson going but running it back, or you know Dalvin Cook running it back. All these guys have monster, monster upside, and I'm just concerned that I don't that it does, you know, to quote, you know, you like to say this catching a falling knife. Like this is where this game has, is like the definition of that because there's tons of dudes that can put it up, put up big games. And it's been all over the place through the first three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you're expressing my feelings about the Texans pretty accurately. I think it makes uh, Watson a really interesting naked quarterback play for big tournaments too. Like, you know, he can punch in a few rushing touchdowns. Uh, It's been rough for the Texans so far. So You'd like to think that if there were a game that they were going to bounce back. I mean, this is a team many, you know, was putting up there as potentially one of the best teams in the AFC, if not the whole league, right? So, uh, you know, going into Thursday Night Football, people were like, oh, it's two of the, the exciting quarterbacks in the league, right? It's just been, this season has exceeded the worst possible expectations for the Texans. So, yeah, I think it's a nice back, bounce back game. I just don't know. There's no obvious, like, you know, Rodgers and Adams type stack from this game, I don't think so. Yeah, that's um, it. And that's it. I think if we were walking, if we were like, we have one of these teams that we just felt better about the, knowing where the opportunity was, like, you know, sort of akin to where the Seahawks were last week, the monster total. And we know it's kind of Wilson and Lockett and guys like that. Like, I think mm-hmm. you can feel pretty good about situations like that. The fact that this just is sitting on a weird high total island without knowing exactly what each team plans are expressly i i do think again huge big tournament upside lots of guys to consider here like i you know you definitely can run gbps with cook definitely can run with justin Anderson, definitely can run with adam Thielen. like and then going back the other way with all these wide receivers and with watson i think they're all in play and i just don't want to it does feel a little dartboardy to me to just kind of recommend one of them for cash games and i wouldn't be shocked uh, the aforementioned Seahawks go and play the Dolphins. We talked at length about Russell Wilson yesterday. We talked about Tyler Lockett. I don't think we need to rehash too much of that. Both are very strong cash game plays. Chris Carson, I think we're still waiting for word on whether Chris Carson is going to play or not. Um, yep, he was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday. Um, he's Apparently, it's a first-degree knee sprain, and oftentimes that's accompanied by like a one- or two-week timetable. We'll see, I guess we, we have to say on Carson, but... I wouldn't be shocked either way. If he does return, uh, potentially could be in a limited capacity too. So certainly you're not going to touch him for cash games. Whether that opens up other opportunity in the offense, you know, is, is sort of an open question. But um, well, if he sat, let me ask you this question because this one's instructive. Sure. If he sat, are we playing Carlos Hyde in cash everywhere? Well, Carlos Hyde's also been limited in practice this week too. So um, I think if he, if Carson sits and Hyde is the starter. I think you can do it. He's 5,700. Um, he's not likely to be featured in the passing game necessarily, but if you should be able to get 16 to 18 carries, and that should be enough for such an effective offense given what the game script looks like so far. So so the answer is a maybe. we got to wait and see. All right, that, that's definitely a piece of news that we're going to be waiting on going into this week because if Carson's not there or if Hyde's not there, like that is going to be a running back situation that we're probably going to want to jam in cash. I just need to 
we just probably we just need probably you know 48 more hours to be a little bit clearer on on the injury yeah. situation uh seahawks defense definitely in play here we did see like uh, miles gaskin get a lot of the carries for the dolphins i don't think that's that's definitely not where you want to be at six and a half point although this line does feel a little low six and a half but um i guess traveling across the country and whatnot anything else to like about this game no i don't think so you know the dolphins just a disappointment every year uh, for DFS purposes. You know, like Mike Gusecki, he was getting some buzz going into the Thursday game. But, you know, what are you going to do? You're not going to play him in cash or anything. So, yeah, nothing to see here, unfortunately. Giants go in and play the Rams. Rams, huge favorites here. Minus 13 at home. Giants season basically done. Um, no Saquon Barkley, obviously. The running back situation is a mess. The team offense is just a total mess. They do not project for you know, less than fewer than 18 points projected for right now. The Rams, on the other hand, coming off kind of brutal loss to the Bills last week, still look pretty good. They, they're going to get Cam Akers back here, so I'm not sure we can trust the running back situation. And I, I, this one, look, this is one they have over 30 implied points. The Giants' defense is terrible. They gave it up to the, the freaking 49ers last week with backups everywhere and the, still the 49ers. Yeah, the backups backups. Yeah, the backups, the backups backups were putting up huge points against the Giants last week. I just don't know with the Rams, though. Like, the three running backs now, right? Like, you can't do – it feels weird to go that in that direction. The wide receiver they, – they, and they want to run the ball a ton, so it's not even like you can go crazy on the woods and cup projections. I don't know. This feels like another huge total game that I'm having trouble pinpointing exactly where the production is going to be just because that's that the team just wants to spread it around a lot. Yeah, I think if Cam Akers were to sit, I think you could really consider Darrell Henderson Jr. Just given that he seems to be winning the job against Malcolm Brown. He had, he's been far more effective on a per-touch basis, so that's the first part of it. Um, and then last year, he really outtouched him dramatically too, 20 carries to Brown seven. So that looks like a clear, you know, running back one and then the running back two situation as of right now. And frankly, I don't even know how much Cam Akers with his sore ribs is even going to change that, uh, given that things are just working for Henderson. The game script tells us that we would love to play a running back from the Rams side or the projected game script tells us we'd love to play a running back from the Rams side here too. So, you know, as we lose some of our running back one options, like if we don't want to play Kamara because of Michael Thomas and we don't want to play Derrick Henry because he's no longer on the slate and so on, uh, maybe Henderson is a, is a potential cash game option. Yeah, I don't know. I, I need to see the uh, definitely going to need to see the injury stuff on that one before we go crazy course, on yeah. it. Um, and that's just that maybe it's just a wait and see. But if they're if all three are healthy, um, I just don't. I, I'm not liking it. The Rams defense is something you can consider here. Again, the Giants offense is absolutely atrocious. Like they just have, they have nobody. And so they lost Sterling Shepard for the year, lost Saquon for the year. The offensive lines in shambles as it is. So um, definitely the Rams are expensive as they should be for a defense. And this is still a situation that you can probably, I, don't, I rarely want to spend up for defenses, but you know, from a tournament mm -hmm. perspective, there's a lot of upside in this team because I, I, like, it's just really hard to overstate how really, really bad the Giants' offense is at this point. I don't even want to touch anything on there, not even from a GBP standpoint. Bills going to play the Raiders. This game is another one with a huge total that ticked up, 49.5 up to 52.5. Came up equally on both sides. Bills are three-point road favorites against Las Vegas. Came back with that comeback victory last week. They're going to get uh, Zach Moss back in the running games. We had considered Devin Singletary as a possible cash game play last week, but that was really with Moss out. He's going to play, so I don't think we want to go there. 
Josh Allen, look, every week you can play this guy in, in really in cash. Like the floor is incredibly high based on how they, you know, he, how much running he does and just that he's been able to uh, really dial into some better wide receiver play with Diggs. Is this a spot we want to be in? And then we can talk about the Raiders. The Raiders are really beat up in the passing game. They're not going to have rugs. They're not going to have Edwards. Renfro got a lot of targets last week. Give me your thoughts on this game. Sure. So, yeah, on the Bills side, obviously Moss's return kind of takes you out of the running game. Uh, Allen, like you said, a week in, week out option, both to stack with potentially Diggs or even John Brown when he's healthy or just to run alone. Uh, I think we saw last week that the Bills aren't going to be slaves to giving any single guy a bunch of targets. Diggs drops from 13 targets to six. And I think that for me precludes him from cash game consideration. Uh, Brown, obviously, he had just the two targets um, left the week early just with a strained calf. So I don't know that, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on his status too. He is a guy that's going to get a lot of, tar- a decent amount of target share and a ton of snaps if he is in there. So, um, you know, it's more like you can't play him if he's active, but if he's out, the addition by subtraction that you get to some of the other guys uh, like Diggs or even Cole Beasley, who had seven targets again last week, I think has become somewhat interesting. But listen, the Bills, they're so Allen dependent that, Anyone else out there? Like this is actually an interesting thing I think we've noticed over the years too, which is that running quarterbacks often hurt the rest of their teammates in terms of DFS options. Because like usually when you have a great quarterback, let's say like currently Russell Wilson, right? If he's passing the ball to someone else, well, that's 10 points of fantasy production. If he rushes the ball in himself, it's only six. And I think that's the risk you have when you guys got like Kyler Murray or Josh Allen or even Lamar Jackson last year. And that's kind of how I feel about the Bills. They could score a ton of points, and Allen could be the only guy that winds up actually paying his price from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, that makes a lot. That makes sense, and that's why he's you know, we call it the naked quarterback option. That's why he mm. really just fits the bill on that one because yeah, or fits the Bills on that one. Like that, like what I did there. The uh, no, I get it because of the Buffalo Bills. You got it. Um, but on the other side though, the Raiders. Um, you know, things have been sort of a mess there. But I'll tell you, if you take out Kamara. From our optimal lineups right now, Josh Jacobs, he's sniffing awfully close, Doug. And the usage in the first two weeks was truly absurd. I mean, 25 carries against Carolina, 27 against New Orleans. Not especially effective on his carries so far this season. He averaged fewer than four yards per carry in each of those first two games. They're heading into just another tough matchup here going up against the Bills. But as a home, you know, three-point dog, what do you think? Can we roll the dice on Jacobs here? Man, one th- one encouraging part is the targets have been decent, like five average targets a game to start the season. And they had mm-hmm. said they were going to work him more into the passing game this year, and they have. It's one of those few times where coach speak ends up being the truth. Like that almost never, ever, ever happens. But in this case, it actually did. So the part where he is part of the passing game is encouraging. Jalen Richards kind of played more than I wanted him to last week. So that one's not that one's kind of a bummer on a game where they were playing catch up. So that part does worry me a little bit from the you can get like uh, Jacobs still can get scripted out of a game and from cash I just need to I just need to prioritize guys that can't happen to right and like yes. and that Fair at this enough. point the list is short but there are enough of them like again this is where paying a price for Zeke might be just the way to go because if it's like paying a premium on Zeke at 9k that's a, and on FanDuel, that's a thousand more than Jacobs. There's so much more safety in that extra thousand dollars. 
than you're just, that you're just not getting from J- Josh Jacobs. Does that make sense? Like it's a yeah, lot. A thousand's a lot. It means a, it's a you know you're really paying for it somewhere else. But maybe you just like go cheaper at tight end. You maybe take a little riskier wide receiver. But that's yeah. that's well the wide receiver thing. I think is very interesting um, when you put it that way because you know we've kicked out a few guys so far that have felt like so the difference between Zeke and Jacobs would give me a much greater amount of pause than going from, I mean, who's the $6,000 receiver we just discussed like two seconds ago? Uh, DJ Moore, or Robbie Anderson. I don't know. I'm not, no, these guys are more. Yeah, Rob, Robbie Anderson perhaps could be the instructive example. There was someone else, but it's just, it's gone away, Doug, my, my old man brain. Um, but yeah, dropping from one guy who's 7,000 to 6,000 at wide receiver feels a little bit less speculative to me than going from, Zeke to Jacobs like if Jacobs is going to get 14 carries or whatever like he did against the Pats and potentially only get four yards to carry I think I'd be happy to sign up for uh for a little Zeke here this is where I'm really hoping that Chris Carson is out and Carlos Hyde is playing is playing because yeah that uh, wouldn't be so bad like that that would be then I just could feel like I'd have the decision made for me and could move on alas that's just not how the fantasy gods go like I said I think you can consider Renfro here I th- I'm encouraged that they just have very few options in their passing game and like we just saw Darren Waller get a ton of targets and then just disappear off the face of the earth. So it's not like you can really yeah. trust the, the almost at Oakland, the Las Vegas uh, passing game at all, but Renfro is coming pretty cheap and he had a nice game last week. Again, like this is well, it's actually a credit to the Raiders. It's a credit to the Raiders when they can pivot. Um, it just hurts us for fantasy purposes. By the way, I tracked down those cheap wide receivers. So like if you had to go down from Allen Robinson to Tyler Boyd, let's say yeah. like that doesn't seem terrible to me whatsoever. If you had to go, um, from Allen Robinson to Will Fuller, right? Like, neither of those. Like, there's worlds where Boyd and Fuller are just better than the guys in the $7,000 range, right? And I don't feel that way about Jacobs versus Zeke. Like, he can, of course, do it, but the risk seems to be much higher taking a running back as an underdog uh, rather than one who we know is just good for 20-plus touches no matter what. So. All right, let's finish this off. Patriots go in and play the Chiefs. Marquee game here. Uh, Cam mm-hmm. goes in and plays Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Cam really struggled to start the game last week, but then was able to sort of pick it up in the second half where they were the pull away. Um, they are seven-point underdogs to the home Chiefs who look kind of just world-beating again to start the year. I mean, I know they struggled a little bit with the Chargers, but then just really laid the, the – I was going to lay the, say the, the, lay the smack down, but that sounded so corny. Then I was going to change the stamp, but then you don't really lay stamps down, and then I just got caught in the uh, in the phrasing of what I wanted to do there. They are seven-point home favorites. We talked, nice. about C, we talked about CEH as a cash game play. I'm fully on board with that again. Uh, I'm not worried about this Patriots defense uh, really at all. Can't I mean? Do you, can we see like a game stack here in terms of like if the Patriots are able to sort of keep pace with the Chiefs, or does this line just show you that maybe Vegas isn't trusting what Bill Belichick and Cam are, are throwing out here to start the season as much as like we kind of even dreamed on the production uh, through the first couple of weeks? Yeah, well, I think it's funny with the Patriots because I believe strongly that they're going to be much better offensively this season with Cam under center. But I think they're also going to be significantly worse defensively, or at least it's going to appear that way when it's all said and done. You know, the the see the underbelly of the Patriots' great to start to the season last year defensively was that they just played nobody and right. they were just crushing just total clowns week after week after week. And they were catching teams at the right time and on and on and on. And then you get to the playoffs and all of a sudden it's like, we can't figure out Ryan Tannehill. It's like, okay, maybe this isn't, you know, a rich man's version of the 85 Bears, which is how they were being discussed. Could they go the whole season without allowing a touchdown? You know, stuff like that. So, yeah, I think Mahomes and company are going to have a fine time here. 
I think the Pats will be playing from behind. Um, it's funny to watch Pats fans be like, okay, we get no respect. Seven-point dogs. It's like, you can relax. You know, <laughs> like right. you're just up against like potentially the, the dynasty of the next five years. So, you know, it's okay to be seven-point dogs in this game. I think the Chiefs roll. I think Cam is probably effective. Uh, I don't think you can you want to go back to the well and like Rex Burkhead, let's say. Um, I don't know that you can pair Cam with anyone, but for big tournaments, maybe you pair him with Edelman or you run him alone too. But, um, but yeah, I'm not going to play them. And, and on the Chiefs side, I do like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but I'm not going to be trying to speculate on the passing game. It's just way too many weapons, man. I mean, with Watkins Hill and Kelsey and the Marcus Robinson, like they just got... They just got dudes out there, so I don't know that you can. I don't know that you're going to be the one guessing right for your cash game purposes. I think people will still probably want to dream a little bit on Rex Burkhead's ten targets, um, and he only had six carries. They look this death taxes and figuring out the Patriots running game is just like something you can never. It's just these are the constants in the world. Like they just look for every time that the guy comes out, it looks like he's going to be have the guy with all the production. It just disappears immediately. So Burkhead's targets were nice, and no James White uh, still being around. Um, that matters. It's instructive, I think. To well, White, White returned to practice this week. Oh, too. he did. Yeah, um, and that was like yeah. a really because it, it was a personal issue. It wasn't. Yeah, a, his right. parents is his. They had a car crash, and his one. I think his father passed away. It was like it was not. Yeah, an injury. It was yeah, not an injury thing. So, um, uh, then if he's back, then I think we can then we can just forget about the Brexit Burkhead mm-hmm. thing. All right, we're gonna get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR. Dot com for short head out over dfsr.com slash deals to get yourself started on our premium projections that's for FanDuel and DraftKings optimal lineups you can get uh, cover for every sport too so it's still getting you through MLB playoffs NBA while the finals chug along um, it's all covered in the one subscription package so dfsr.com slash deals you can take a free trial risk-free uh, go check it out one of the best deals that you're going to get in the business buddy enjoy your week four in football will do